0: We are back with more first in moose coverage of the NFL. For U-92 the Moose, I'm Connor Taylor. With me, Mark Shunster. It was a it was a good week, Mark. I thought I thought there's there's tons to cover. I mean, you got Dak Prescott. The That's not the,
1: necessarily good. <laughs> not,
0: not good to cover, but the Falcons moved on for Dan Quinn. Not necessarily another good thing to cover if you're looking at it from his perspective. Seahawks Vikings was a good game. The 49ers bench Jimmy G. I mean, the the Browns are looking good. I mean, there's 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 a lot this weekend, Mark.
1: Yeah, it was it was a busy week, and you know, it's starting to feel like some things are making sense. You know, you know what I mean. Where it's at least in some cases, there are some things that were a little surprising, like the Dolphins yesterday. But things are getting a little more consistent in here. I think there are more things that we can. Confidently believe in uh, week in and week out, and, and understand. And I think we're starting to see some teams really get comfortable, and we're really starting to see patterns in how these teams perform. And I think that that's a big thing because typically that it, it doesn't take this long, but we're here now, and it's October, and we're about to get maybe a couple more weeks, and we'll already be in November. I mean that, that's how calendars work, but <laughs> it's. It is we're, – we're already a couple weeks into the season, five weeks to be exact, and we're now finally, I think, getting a grasp on where each team is at and, some, and what they're good at, what they're bad at, and what are some things we need to see change moving forward because a lot of these team stories could still change as this year goes on, but now we know where the starting point is, where is it going to end by December Who's going to flip a switch? Who's going to dip down? Because that always happens. We have teams that get good, and there are other teams that that start turning poor or turning for the worst. And I think we're finally there at the starting line now as far as looking ahead to the future and seeing what's to come. I, I completely
0: agree with you. And there was some drastic changes for some franchises looking towards the future. I mean... I don't want to necessarily start off with uh, talking about Dak's long-term future. I think we should touch on maybe the injury itself before we go down that road. I mean, it was, it was a gruesome injury, a, a real heartbreaker for Dak and just Cowboys fans in general. I mean, he was basically, I would say, the one bright spot of the team so far this year.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know if he was the sole bright spot, but he's definitely the, the, the center of it all. Because, I mean, you've got other talented players on that offense, but Dak Prescott's the the maestro, uh, per se. And it's not just for what he does on the field, either. You could tell that this guy has been a positive influence as a leader on that bench, as well as just the things he's done outside of the game, promoting mental health and, and being open about the fact uh, about how his emotional state has been during the pandemic, when you include the fact that he lost his brother this year. He's been he's been a real positive influence on not only just the Cowboys football team, not only on Dallas, but just the country as a whole. And so it's brutal to, for, it's always brutal for a guy Mm -hmm. to go down with such a terrible injury, especially when he's a pretty important piece of your team. But it it, it just really, you could see that it struck really hard with a lot of players on that team. It's probably been one of the more emotional responses to, to an injury like that in a while. I think, the last time I can think of players being shook that hard by an injury in a game was first off, there's Alex Smith, Mm -hmm. which was terrible. And let's hope that Dak Prescott does not have to go through that, which ironically in a weird way, he came back and played today. So I, I make what that or yesterday, sorry, but make that of it what you will. And then the other one I think of is when Teddy Bridgewater got hurt in camp. And they talked about how players like were like moved to tears with Mm -hmm. how emotional they were seeing and seeing how much pain Teddy Bridgewater was in. And he had to get carted to the emergency room. And he, he was out of the game for a long time And, and Teddy Bridgewater's a good guy too. And now he's back and playing well. So maybe the fact that I'm thinking of these two players who are now back and playing football is pretty incredible. So I hope that he gets back and I hope that things go well for him. It sounded like the surgery went well last night. And you hate. I know. I like to say this phrase humorously, but you hate to see it. You hate mm-hmm. something like that happen. And so you know, prayers go out to Dak Prescott and his family as they, you know, they they have they have some tough times ahead. But I mean, the guy has proven that he he's a capable, he's a passionate guy. He, he's strong, and I think he'll get through this.
0: Yeah, I mean the surgery obviously you said that that it went well it was reported that it went well we don't have a timetable as of yet I mean pretty much we all assume it's the whole season but we don't mm-hmm. know the, the recovery process how long they're expecting could it go into next season possibly we don't know that yet as of this recording um, early Monday afternoon I expect that to come out eventually but that could definitely change because it's a pretty big injury injury I mean a compound injury it's not not a fun one by any means
1: yeah but
0: when looking at the the future of of the Cowboys I mean it was talked about a ton everywhere I mean he was he was playing on a franchise tag he was probably going to set some records this year passing yards records I mean the way he was going right now I mean it was most likely going to happen you don't know if he would be able to keep it up but there's a chance he was going to sign it possibly a long term deal. And now that chance is most likely thrown out the window for the Cowboys and Dak Prescott.
1: Yeah, I wonder how they're going to handle that from a franchise perspective because you, I know you were one and three with Dak Prescott and you end up going two and three in this game, but. You had to – everything you saw, you had to have liked out of him, right? Mm -hmm. And although you could put the argument that maybe he just started the season off really good or that he was always playing from behind, so he had to keep throwing the ball. But even with that in mind, the guy made very few mistakes and continually made plays. And that's more than you can ask for from most quarterbacks in, in the NFL. And so, to me, he's worth giving a contract to already. But I don't know if Jerry Jones and if the Dallas Cowboys see it the same way apparently they could franchise tag him again, which I think is kind of a brutal thing to do. But I mean, whatever they do, there's going to earn some criticism. But I think the criticism from the Dak hasn't truly proven himself party is kind of a weak argument at this Mm -hmm. point. I think he's proven himself as a great quarterback in the NFL. And if I'm Dallas, you got to sign the guy. And if you don't, then I think somebody else will. Someone else will come in and, And and we'll give him the money he deserves at this point, because that has proven that he's not only just a good player on the field, but like I mentioned earlier, he is a huge locker room presence, a huge organizational presence. And it it, is a guy you want on your football team.
0: Yeah, I I agree. You want him on your football team. It will be interesting to see how the, the Cowboys go forward. I don't, I mean, I guess it could depend on Andy Dalton. What if he comes out and plays really good? I, I doubt that'll happen where you think, hey, we're fine with paying Andy Dalton less. I mean, mm-hmm. Jerry Jones does some weird things, so you, you could see it happening. But I, I think it just – it kind of sucks overall, especially for Dak. Uh, I mean, he's losing out on generational-type money. I mean, the, the, the contract he probably would have signed, uh, assuming – he may sign it still or something less or who knows what, how yeah. the injury goes forward. But I mean, the, the type of money he would have made would have set up like grandkids and possibly even the next generation for a completely comfortable life. Now that's, that's gone. Mm-hmm. So it will be interesting to see how that plays out. And I assume we'll get updates in the coming weeks, but another, I guess it's kind of a good note, kind of a sad note, depending how you're looking at it. Uh, Dan Quinn and the, uh, gm for the falcons were were fired it was reported that would be announced monday or tuesday but they ended up announcing it late sunday and i mean i still think this is a good job overall Mm -hmm. and i mean there it's more of reloading i don't think it's like a rebuilding place whatsoever do you agree with that mark
1: well, yeah, cuz I think you have one side of the ball that's pretty set to go. I mean, you got Matt Ryan and you've got a talented wide receiving core. Todd Gurley, I don't know how long he'll last, but you could get another good running back. That's not that's you can get an effective running mm-hmm. back is a better way to put it. And what you got to do is you just got to add a couple more pieces on that defense cuz there's still some talent there and I will continue to say there's talent on that Falcons defense. You just need a guy I guess you need two guys now because we're not gonna. You don't want a Bill O'Brien. This you don't want <laughs> one man for both jobs. You, you need a guy who will give you some more help on defense, and then you need a guy who can. Honestly, I would want them to go for another defensive-minded coach. I think, even though the offense is a, a tantalizing prospect, I think Matt Ryan can handle it. I think Matt Ryan will make the offense work no matter who is wearing the headset. But I think that defense needs someone who can who could draw some stuff up to make it so you don't have to count on Matt Ryan throwing for 350 plus yards every game to win. I, uh, there are a couple guys who could be good for the job. I imagine they'll look around. I know a lot of people like Eric Bieniemy, but he is an offensive-minded head coach. So I don't know if I like the fit in Atlanta. Maybe in Houston, that would be a good place for him. But that's a different topic of conversation. And, you know, yeah, it's sad for Dan Quinn and it's sad for the GM. I, his name escapes me at this moment but I mean, it's the right decision for the Falcons. You you gotta, this is unacceptable. And uh, we've, we've been harping on it the past few weeks. So I don't think there's a reason for me to, to drive home the same talking points. We've, we've mentioned the same for the past few years, ever since they blew that lead in the Super Bowl. this team. And I, I imagine it's not on their minds all the time, but that's just the marker for me about when things really went downhill and it hasn't, they haven't recovered since even if they're it's not like a prevalent thing in their minds right now
0: no there there has not been a recovery process whatsoever since that that blown lead in the super bowl and i mean like you're saying we've talked about it for for basically this whole season thus far that dan quinn is most likely going to be fired and now now it eventually happens and now they're Uh, searching for a head coach and a new GM and I think it's it's a pretty good job so I think it'll be interesting to see who who gets filled in that position and I was I was paying attention closely to this uh, this Falcons Panthers game and I mean these franchises I guess maybe more teams are heading in completely opposite directions at this moment I mean someone like Matt Rule is I think he's continuing to prove that he was a really great hire for the Panthers. And I think the thing is, I don't have as much like this year takeaways, but more like long-term takeaways is that the, the Panthers are ascending right now. I think maybe they won't make the playoffs this year. It, it really depends. I think they are, they're, they're a tough football team that has has a chance to win games, but they're going to play in a lot of close games. So they're going to go either way. They're not going to dominate a bunch of teams by any means they're not going to get huge leads it's going to be it's going to be a a gritty 60 minute football game every single weekend for them and but i think matt rule is going to be able to to help them do that but i think just the future with their uh owner david tepper looks really good i mean they believe it was maybe like a week ago they announced their rock hill facility they've announced it but they showed some more rendering some more things about it as like a practice facility slash like bunch of fields plazas. It's it looks beautiful. Looks really cool, futuristic. And I think that organization is is trending up after being kind of stagnant for a long time. Uh since their Super Bowl loss, they're kind of stagnant. And they're they found a coach and I think this new owner is really proving that they're that they're gonna be good coming two, three years. And I mean they're a lot better than I was expecting. I mean Mike Davis is is filling in chris mccaffrey's role very well and i think this is a possible seven to nine win football team and i thought they were like maybe a four or five win football team at max this year so i think that's that's huge for them and i don't think necessarily they're in a complete rebuilding mode which i i thought they were and i uh wasn't high on teddy bridgewater still not extremely high but he wins football games and we're and we're seeing that so i think you've got to believe in the panthers to be in football games and expect them to look good for the years to come
1: yeah definitely
0: but the sunday night football game i i thought was a very good game yeah the thing for me is it played into the vikings hand for so long i mean they I believe the time possession was basically 40-20, 40 minutes. I think it was like 39 something, but it was basically 40 minutes Vikings, 20 minutes Seahawks. And you know, you, you've said this a couple of times, Mark, that 50-50 games are 70-30 games for him. And and look at us, we bet against him. We bet against yeah, 50, we 50 made a 50-50 game. I, I don't I don't know what we were thinking, but
1: we did. So yeah, well, I mean, if you watch that game, you can understand why we bet that way. It literally came down to a fourth and one in the red zone. And <laughs> if, the, if they could have, Alexander Madison was rushing for over five yards to carry and it's fourth and one and you give it to Madison and the Seahawks were able to get the job done. But then they had to drive 90 yards in two minutes to score. But like we, we've been talking about, Russell Wilson just made that look easy. Mm-hmm. It, was, it, was in, it was insane because, and that's why I'm gutted for the Vikings in this game because they played great game and really they lost it in like three minutes without Dalvin Cook Dalvin Cook went out for like three minutes and there was just an onslaught uh, of poor play of bad uh, Kirk Cousins felt the pressure and he messed some things up Seattle capitalized off of it Russell Wilson smelt blood in the water pounced and then Dalvin Cook came back in. And although he wasn't as involved as he was last time, that was enough to spark Madison and for them to continue to play the game that they wanted to play. And were this close to winning. They were so close. And if you're a Vikings fan, I feel for you because you played such a tremendous game and such a tremendous effort on their part to knock off a good Seahawks team. And they just were, they were under a yard shy of getting the job done. And then after that, they just ha- It was almost just helpless watching Russell Wilson do his thing. And man, is he fantastic. I know you could argue Aaron Rodgers or Josh Allen right now for MVP, but I'd argue that both of them have more at their disposal than Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson is doing it when the time calls for him week after week. He did it against New England. He did it against the, uh, the Cowboys. He did it this week against the Vikings, and I think the most obvious uh, example yet because he had been beaten. He had been held accountable the entire game by the Vikings defense. They did what they could. They applied pressure. They had good coverage down the field. But when it mattered the most, Russell Wilson came in and performed. I, I didn't have the chance to jump on this yesterday, Connor. We did our live show before the game, and Nick Severini was our guest. And he said, it's non-negotiable that Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, and Deshaun Watson are the best quarterbacks in the NFL in that order. And that's just flat out wrong because Russell Wilson is number two in the NFL right now behind Patrick Mahomes. And he's playing like the MVP. He is just a phenomenal quarterback. And I'm taking him over Lamar Jackson or Deshaun Watson, even though I love both of those quarterbacks. Russell Wilson is just, he's, he's crazy, man. And I don't know how else to put it. And if you're the Vikings, you're gutted. because Not because you let Russell Wilson drive down and win the game, but because you couldn't get that fourth and one. Because I feel like when Russell Wilson got the ball, you just knew. You just knew it was going to happen, even though there was 90 yards between him and and victory. I think you're more disappointed in the fact that you couldn't get that first down. Because I'm not going to say that was a bad call or a bad decision, because I think that was a right decision. Just, just get the game done there. It's one yard. You've got the guys who have been getting you the yardage throughout this game. Just get it done, and it just didn't work out. And that's tough for a one-and-four Vikings team. It It is
0: extremely tough for the Vikings, and I feel for them. And I think they showed that they're turning things around. But, I mean, going one-and-fours, it's going to be a extremely – hard uphill battle for them to make the playoffs but I think they're gonna they're gonna be in games and they're gonna they're gonna beat some playoff teams teams down the road and I don't think people should be unexpected by that but I could still see them struggling to to make the playoffs But I think Russell Wilson is definitely there I don't know how many quarterbacks are out there like this but he's one of those quarterbacks where if you're on the opposing team you're an opposing fan and he gets the ball with less than two minutes left and he's got 90 yards you are holding your breath and you are Mm -hmm. saying oh no like this man scares like the living crap out of you I mean I've had experience being a Packers fan and and going against him in the playoffs a lot and I mean he is one of the QBs that actually frightened me at any point in the game where I'm like he could do something completely absurd and amazing and, and win this football game and
1: there's not many other
0: quarterbacks that make me feel that way
1: yeah at this point in time in the current NFL only two names come into my head immediately and that's Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes Uh, and obviously they're the top two quarterbacks in my book uh Deshaun Watson I love him he hasn't proven that yet to me and Lamar Jackson definitely has not proved that to me yet Tom Brady used to be that way don't know if it's that way anymore Drew Brees was I don't know if Drew Brees ever was like that but Drew Brees won you football games and then uh and then it's reminiscent of Peyton Manning and it was something Andrew Luck did a lot too but of course that's my bias as a Colts fan but they did it all a lot like that's just me objectively saying they won a lot of games with under two minutes left uh but right now those are the two guys that you don't want to give the ball to them when there's not a lot of time left in the game because they're gonna go they're gonna run that clock out and they're going to win the football game and they're is very little you could do about it, except hope and pray that you sack them and you just run out the clock that way. I don't know. It's there. He's phenomenal. And I, I think, I think I've said my piece about him. Yeah. I, I, he's great.
0: I think, you know, we thought yesterday that possibly, I mean, him going, we don't think the Seahawks we said weren't a five and O football team, but uh Russell Wilson's a five and O quarterback and he proved it. And I think this is gonna be a difficult team to match up against throughout this throughout this season. They're gonna play a bunch of close games. I don't think they're gonna be in games where you're way behind. I mean, their defense just isn't good enough. And that possibly will hurt them coming down uh playoff time. But a game that might have caught some people off guard a little bit was the the Chiefs. Raiders game. I mean, it was the, the first victory in Arrowhead for the Raiders since 2012. That's a, that's a really long time. I mean, I was trying to think like where I was in 2012 and like, what was going on in life. That is, that's a long time ago to, yeah. to, to be losing consistently uh, from there. But what were, what were some takeaways you had from this game, Mark?
1: Well, Connor, the first thing I'd want to point out is that I had my notes from the first half and then I was telling Luke Wiggs who is kind of like our resident Raiders fan that I had to scrap most of my notes from the first half because the second half was just a different story. It was 24 all at halftime. Looking like it was just going to continue to be a shootout. And then the Raiders came out in the second half and they did brilliantly on defense to slow down that seemingly unstoppable chiefs offense. And it, it, rightfully so gave them the win they were the better football team on Sunday but to talk about some of the the notes I have here uh, since this was the game I was supposed to to kind of pay attention to deeply first off I love the involvement of Devontae Booker in that Raiders offense he had 8.9 yards a carry and he also had one reception um the guy is a great way to shake it up with Josh Jacobs, especially when Josh Jacobs isn't working. When, when, when they're stuffing it up, the, when they're stuffing the inside, and Jacobs isn't working, they shake it up with Booker. And Booker is a great way to just to to mess the, to shift things around. And he had a great 43-yard run that really set him up in this game. Great on that part. On top of that, I don't know how much you know this, Connor, but I am a huge fan of good fullbacks. I love a good fullback. Right. Yesterday, one of the United Sports staffers, Liam Bellin, made a comment about how much I love Kyle Juszczyk because I love Kyle Juszczyk. He's such a great fullback. He's 49ers, not, this isn't in this game, but I love Kyle Juszczyk. I love how the 49ers use him. I love all the things he's capable of doing. I'm a huge fan of him. And I became a new fan of a fullback in this game, and that is Alec Ingold. I'd seen him come up once or twice this season. And I was like, huh, this, this fullback's pretty good. I, I, this guy could be something this kid is special he can block obviously he's a fullback he is a factor in the passing game he is just incredibly flexible there was a point in time where Derek Carr hurled it like 30 yards down the field to him on a wheel route and I was I thought it was Hunter Renfro at first and then because it, it, I, I saw like the five and he came down and I realized it was Ingold and I was thinking he just threw it 30 yards down the field to a fullback what is going on <laughs> it's crazy he is fantastic an excellent piece on that offense that shakes things up and really just another guy to keep looking forward to I am a big fullback appreciator and I'm surprised I haven't really made that clear this at this point on the podcast or on the show but Alec Ingold what a guy Uh, on top of that uh, Derek Carr a lot of people think he's boring you mentioned he's kind Mm -hmm. of a boring quarterback but He's boring in almost all of the right ways. The guy, he threw an interception yesterday and it wasn't great, but it was the first time he had thrown a pick since like November or October of last season. The guy just doesn't make terrible mistakes. And on top of that, the guy threw to 11 different people and 10 of them caught a pass. He likes to distribute the ball. He's not scared uh, of giving it to a new face. He goes through his progressions. He understands plays. He's not reliant on any one receiver. He he gets the ball around. He's, he's generous, you know? Um, and then the big thing on that offense that, is worth noting and I think this is the last point uh, I guess two points on the Raiders offense. first off Josh Jacobs wasn't working until it was that was one of those notes I had to scrap because in the first half I was like Booker is doing all the work for this Raiders team Jacobs is struggling and then Jacobs came in the second half and, and showed how he's both strong and shifty at the same time it, it played great and then but the number one thing and I mentioned this before the games when we were doing the previews is that Henry Ruggs changes that offense. And he came in and he was healthy. That guy is exactly what you wanted out of a first round pick wide receiver. He does it. I was I was skeptical of draft of him being the first wide receiver off the board. And the Raiders have proved their decision right because he's not just a speedy guy. His route running is great. He he didn't get used to utilize this a lot in this game, but he's also used on jet sweeps and designed runs for him. He He just makes plays. He only had two catches in this game, but they were for 118 yards. So that's pretty crazy. And the first one was ridiculous, and then the second one was a touchdown. He just – he requires that attention, and it resulted in Aguilar and Darren Waller and other guys on that field, Alec Ingold finding success because they had to focus on him, and that's what you want out of a number one wide receiver. We've talked about this before so Henry Ruggs, though, he's the real deal. And he is an essential part of this Raiders offense clicking. And, you know, great on um, Mayock, right? That's the GM now mm-hmm. in, uh, in Vegas. And uh, he, hit hard. he hit good on this one. He hit gold. Now, to talk about the Chiefs. First off, in the first half, my, uh, one of my notes that I had to scratch was that you've got to keep Mahomes in the pocket because the moment he gets out – Bad stuff happens, and we watched it. And then on several occasions, there were points where where the Raiders would apply pressure, and then two linemen would clip each other off trying to get to Mahomes. In the second half, that was gone. He was getting pressure. They weren't letting him run around a bunch, and it resulted in that Chiefs offense getting stunted significantly. They didn't score until late in the fourth quarter in the second half at all. So they did a great job there. Um, The Raiders linebackers in the second half, they started blowing plays up. And I, like Nick Kwiatkowski, WVU alum, he had one play where he just destroyed a wide receiver. I believe it was Robinson and, and made the stop on a third down. It was incredible. Max Crosby, excellent defensive lineman. He knows when to apply pressure, when to sit and wait for a moment. And, and he, this is what he did in the second half, which really helped uh, Mahomes not make a lot of damage outside the pocket, is there are times he'd pressure and there are times he'd take a step back and wait for Mahomes to move and then follow him. So he wouldn't immediately go on as O-lineman. He'd try to wait and see, and then he would make his move, and that was huge. And then, last but not least, the chief safeties and cornerbacks, you got to be concerned. They got busted several times. Henry Ruggs twice. Nelson Aguilar got them once, and Hunter Renfro got them once. That is concerning, and you're going to have to fix that because Juan Thornhill and Tyron Matthew are seemingly great safeties, and there are some miscommunications in the secondary that they're going to need to fix because I think we're starting to see there are ways to at least slow down this Chiefs offense, and if this secondary can't handle a shootout, then the Chiefs are going to lose more football games. And I think
0: an interesting thing about that defense is they're, they're kind of built – like, they're not built uh... – to necessarily be a great defense, but they have just a couple playmakers that can completely turn a game every once in a while. But if they're not able to step up and make that play, yeah. I mean it's just it's it's gonna be bad for the Chiefs is, is the issue. They have yeah. to have one of those game-changing plays.
1: No one on that defense did anything yesterday to to change the game. Chris Jones, Hitchens, Tyron Matthew, Breland, none of them had a turnover or made a big stop on their own to to make anything like that happen. The Raiders offense was clicking all day.
0: And so I I've been thinking about the chiefs I, I went through and they've, they've like they've had some bad quarters when I've watched them. They seem like they're almost going through the, through the motions at, at times because I mean, I guess the, the only game I feel like they really cared about was that, that Ravens game. Mm-hmm and, do you, do you agree with that? I feel like they're kind of like coming off this – I mean, they're. I feel like they're still better than most teams. I don't think it's like let's set off the alarm and freak out like what's going on with the Chiefs. I just feel like they're kind of going through the motions. And the only game they've cared about is the Ravens so far.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I guess let's see how they respond this next week. They've got the Bills, which is a tough matchup. Mm-hmm. And if they don't take the Bills seriously after getting – beaten by the Raiders, which is a team that you shouldn't be getting beaten by at home especially, um, we'll see. Because if if what you're saying is true and they're not taking things seriously, then they better turn that act around because you can't just – you can't waltz your way to a Super Bowl. This team Mm -hmm. is capable of going to a Super Bowl. I would know. I picked them to win the Super Bowl this year. But if they're not taking it seriously, they're going to get punched in the mouth. And that's kind of what – or I don't know if that's what happened with the Raiders or the Raiders outperformed them and that's a bit you're gonna you should take offense to that first time Mahomes has ever lost to the Raiders and at home in Arrowhead that's not good so I expect them to bounce back next week against the Bills but if their demeanor is the same then there's some cause for concern yeah
0: I I'm always someone that that thinks that there are good losses especially for championship caliber teams I don't I think, I believe last year, I was like, the Ravens need to drop one before they go into the playoffs. I was very adamant about that. I was like, you need to be brought down back to earth. I'm sure I'll bring up the point, there'll be some team that's on like some crazy winning streak, I'm like they need to lose because just the demeanor, it changes your ego almost. And I I think it plays in a basketball. I always think there's good losses. I think this might actually be in a way like a good loss, a good A reset and for the for the chiefs to be like hey we we need to be taking things seriously maybe they are maybe there's more issues than i think but to me when i watch them they seem like they're going a little bit through the motions as of right now but we can we can take a quick break and we'll be right back have you ever wondered why everyone their mother seems like they have a podcast today well, that's probably because there's over a million podcasts a day alone and it continues to grow every single day and you've probably wondered how do i start a podcast and you've probably thought it's too expensive i don't have the equipment it'll be too difficult i just can't do it well let me tell you you're wrong there's a platform called anchor and it's the simplest way to make a podcast Now i did some light background research for you first off it's free There's creations tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Go make a podcast. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R. Dot Fm to get started. And we are back for more first and Moose on U92, the Moose College Radio at West Virginia University. Connor Taylor, Mark Schoenster. Jimmy Garoppolo was benched. And uh, you know, kind of the reports were maybe they're they're protecting him. His ankle still wasn't wasn't feeling right. But I think there's there's more issues to this 49ers team. I know they've dealt with tons of injuries, but we, we called it a must-win game, Mark, and they didn't come away with, with the win.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, if we wanted to know if this 49ers team was going to make a playoff push this season, I think we got an emphatic no in that regard. They've been hurt by injuries. I understand that. But what just happened on Sunday was inexcusable. That Dolphins team outperformed them on every level. I think they tried to force Jimmy Garoppolo's return a little quick. They were trying to get him into the motions before this stretch, and it fell flat on its face. It was not a good look. Excuse me. And it was – I mean, they got dominated. I mean, Mm -hmm. the score would tell you that. The Dolphins were just overall a better football team. And, you know, obviously you could look at Ryan Fitzmagic having a Fitzmagic game. But even if he didn't throw for 22 of 28, 350 yards and three touchdowns without a pick, uh, absurd quarterback rating, it didn't matter. The 49ers only scored 17 points. I don't, they didn't really need to have a fantastic game. And with that in mind, there's some serious concern for the 49ers that they're going to get hosed in these, this upcoming stretch of games that we've talked about already it's going to be brutal. It's not going to be fun to watch. Meanwhile, on the Dolphins' side, I'm starting to figure, trying to figure out how good this team is. Because if you do not look at their three losses, they're not looking too bad anymore. You lose by 10 to the Patriots. You lose by three for the versus the Bills. You really were in that game against the Seahawks. And then you clobber the Jaguars and you clobber the 49ers. Just how good is this Miami team? They've got the Jets this next week. Maybe they could be 500 at that point. And then you've got the Rams, which I think is a great matchup and might be really interesting to watch.
0: Yeah, I mean this this is definitely going to be interesting to see if they're they're legit. I mean, like you you went through these these games and they're really they really not bad losses. And I think a interesting thing to also think about as as we move forward is uh I mean, if Ryan Fitzpatrick continues to have games like these, which most likely will because he's Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, Tua might not, might not even see the field this year, which I think is, will be a, a little bit unexpected. I feel like most people thought that he might see it towards the end of the year. But at this rate, I feel like Ryan Fitzpatrick's the guy that's going to have down games. But he's – right, you just need – you're going to need like one more game before you say, all right, let's go to Tua – but then he's going to have that type of game where you're like, okay, we can't move on just yet. And I feel like it's going to be that kind of that ride. And I feel like we're seeing it right now, but on the 49ers side, I mean, I think I'm, I think I'm ready to move on from the 49ers. Yeah, I think I am they're too. In too difficult a division. And this, this stretch, I mean, maybe they'll prove us wrong, but I, I really doubt it as of right now. I mean, you just lost to the, the Eagles and dolphins. So it's not, it's not looking too bright for the, for the 49ers. And then, I think the rumblings are always there with Jimmy Garoppolo, but they, they could get really loud as we head into this, to this off season eventually about what, what quarterback to maybe possibly replace him. So.
1: Yeah. I mean, think about this. They're two and three and their two wins are against the New York jets and the New York giants. I think that about tells you that this team hasn't proven anything yet. They, Mm -hmm. they are not viable at all, especially in this upcoming stretch. It's, Avert your eyes. Do not watch these 49ers games unless you're a fan of the other team because it's – I have a feeling it's going to be a rough, rough October and November for the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, they're lucky in a way that I, I don't know California's restrictions, but they'll most likely be a, a slow comeback to fans, and I doubt they'll have fans in their state <laughs> for a while. So, their fans are looking out because they're – they're going to miss out on some really bad football coming up. But one of my favorite games from yesterday, I was really excited about going into it was the the Browns, Browns-Colts game. And, I mean, I think one interesting thing going into this year, I feel like people have been really slow to like the Browns, especially after they were hyped up so much last year. I mean, this is what we kind of expected from them last year in a way. We expected them to have a, a pretty good record contending for a playoff spot. And it didn't happen, so I feel like they they brought back a lot of the same pieces besides getting rid of Freddie Kitchens. It's turning out to be obviously the right move. But I think it's interesting because I don't feel like they're getting tons of hype even after being 4-1. I mean, it's slowly ramping up, but I feel like people are still scared to like the Browns. Do you think people should be jumping on this Browns bandwagon or do you think there should be some caution here, Mark?
1: Well, I said going into this game at the winner was most likely a playoff team and looking at the Browns and looking at their schedule after watching that game, I think they're a playoff team, a wild card team, but a playoff team. They're a little inconsistent and I don't just in the game as a whole. And I don't know if that's credit to the Colts or credit to them, but in the first half, they looked fantastic. The receivers were making fantastic plays. Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham, had probably five to six free catches in one half, and that's kind of what people were expecting, like you said, going into last season. And then the second half came around, and Baker completed two passes, and Jarvis Landry had two to three drops, and so that's concerning for me if I'm a Browns fan because Baker also threw two interceptions that kept the Colts in the game for the majority of the uh, the time of the game. Had uh, I think that this is a team that you can be excited about. They're gonna they're gonna lose some games. But the big thing is that they're not coached by Freddie Kitchens anymore, which, which we're realizing is a pretty big deal. I don't know how fantastic Kevin Stefanski is, but he's at least good enough to keep them winning football games on a consistent basis. This is a team that I, I think they're going to be in the playoffs this year, especially with seven playoff uh, spots in the AFC. This Browns team has proven that they can win, and they can win in several ways too because they won last week on the ground even though the air game was working as well against Dallas, they can also win in the passing game as well. And they can make some plays on defense. They, they bullied the Colts offensive line, which is becoming a growing concern for the Colts now. Um, And they got the job done. I think this is a solid football team all around. Baker Mayfield still has me worried, but not worried enough to think that this team is not a good football team. Yeah, I think I
0: think Baker is that kind of like he defines the ceiling for this mm-hmm. team because I think a lot of the other pieces are, are working right now, but he can he can bring this team down a lot by having a bad game. And honestly, that seems pretty similar to what the the Colts are dealing with right. With I didn't really believe that Rivers would be the weakness. I see in the Colts. You obviously watch them more closely than than I do. But do you think as of right now that rivers would be one of the is one of the weaknesses or do you think maybe he's just kind of getting used to a new system
1: at this point that can't be the excuse i think look at tom brady he's gotten acclimated in with the buccaneers albeit uh missed uh, understanding of what down it was but uh he looks a lot better than philip rivers does philip rivers in the two games we've lost has done made, made some bad mistakes that lost us the football game and in the three games we won, Phillip Rivers didn't make any big plays, but he didn't make any mistakes either. So that's the big question. Are we going to lose every game this season because of Phillip Rivers? Nothing he did in that game particularly impressed me. He hit some passes every now and then, but he dug us into a hole several times in the second half through a terrible pick six, bad decision. He then I'll, – I'll say at first my impression was the safety – was his fault on the intentional grounding, but looking back at it, it was a terrible play call. You had Miles Garrett one on one with our backup line, Minler, Raven, Clark, and it was a terrible play design for something when you're on your own four. So I'm not going to put that as much on him. And then he had the second interception, which was also terrible. I, I don't know how you could say the game yesterday wasn't in largely to blame. Wasn't largely due to. Philip Rivers' play, it was not good. And in the second half, I didn't feel confident that we were going to get back into the game because of the way Philip Rivers was throwing the ball and the mistakes he was making. We were moving the ball, and our defense turned around and made up for the bad first half they had. And then Philip Rivers did nothing with it. That's a cause for concern going forward. Maybe he gets it fixed. Maybe things get better as time goes on. But if the Colts have to play and win every game ahead, then they're going to lose football games because you're going to find yourself behind and your defense isn't always going to be amazing. And so I don't know. I'm, I'm concerned right now. Hopefully they bounce back. They have the lions and the Brown or Bengals these next two weeks before the Ravens, maybe some things can get back into order.
0: Yeah. I think one of the, one of the biggest things I'm starting to take away from the quotes is that, you know, like you're saying, the defense has to be on, it seems like, and they're not going to be on every week. I mean, it's an offensive league, the, the roles benefit the offense. They're going to have days where they're they're honestly not able to, to do well whatsoever because they'll be thrashers. I mean, there's too many offensive powerhouses in the NFL to uh, believe that your defense is going to win you every single game without an offense uh, uh, taking care of the ball, basically, especially your quarterback. But one thing I've noticed is, I mean, I guess I always knew – Rivers's pocket mobility wasn't great, but I think it was. It was very clear yesterday that his pocket mobility yeah, was getting worse. It was strugglesome, and it like it seemed like it is. It, it is getting worse, and I think that's something to worry about, uh, especially with. Uh, I mean, you went at Maui, I was Garrett's having a fantastic year thus far, and he was able to cause a lot of a lot of ruckus, and it, it ended up hurting the Colts. Uh, their their victory, but a, another. Another thing that I thought was super interesting was how vocal the, the Texans players were after their win yesterday. I'd, I don't know if it was intent, like, meant to like, throw shade at O'Brien, but they're pretty vocal on social media about their win. I guess, I mean, a lot of times you see players go out there, and be like, it feels, it feels good to win or something, or like, 4 0, mm-hmm. let's do this. But it just seemed like there were some shots at at Bill O'Brien. I mean, like, I think I believe Watt even kind of sent a shot. He's like, it's football's fun again. It was something like that. And I was like, whoa, I didn't expect Watt to be yeah. someone to actually like tweet something vocally uh, in a way about subtweeting Bill O'Brien. But I mean that that was really interesting for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, we already talked about the fact that DeAndre Hopkins, one of the most upstanding guys in the NFL, got into a spat with Bill O'Brien before he got shipped away. I think that that that's a the thing. There could be such a toxic culture around a team when your coach is bad, especially when your coach and your GM are bad because of the same person. That's a lot of control in one person's hands. And I don't think that's a good idea, just about anywhere. I think if your name's Bill Belichick, it works. And that's just because you're Bill Belichick and you you just know how to run the ship that that it, it just it pans out. Anything else though, I I just think that's a bad situation to put your franchise into. And a change of of leadership is huge. And I don't know how much more can be said about it. You got the win. That feels good. And you got rid of what a lot of people saw as the problem. So good on the Texans for cleaning out the dirt. Yeah. And, I mean,
0: Brandon Cooks finally showed up. And then I, I was reading some, some articles about the Texans. There's a lot of good quotes coming about Romeo Cornell. I know he got the win, but they, they just seem like they're – they're on board i doubt he'll be the, the coach they choose after this season to to lead them into the the future but like we said yesterday on the first news live this is a this is a good job and that's because it's Deshaun Watson i mean they don't have a lot of assets right now but i think Deshaun Watson is going to attract some some head coaches or some offensive coordinators, probably uh, probably a young coach without a lot of experience. but I think it'll be it'll be interesting to see who who ends up going there. But yeah. a game that was I don't think it was super close, but the scoreboard kind of showed it being closer was that that Steelers Eagles game. and i mean, do the do the Steelers ever miss on drafting a wide receiver, Nick? I mean, Gosh, oh, Nick's not here anymore. Mark?
1: I mean, they seem to always make – they always seem to find someone, you know. I guess they have a good eye for talent. Chase Claypool is different from their other receivers too because they, they have different draw up plays for him. And that's great because you still have Juju Smith-Schuster there to, to balance out the attention. I mean, you got to love what he put up. Four touchdowns. You can't really argue with that they couldn't stop him after one they couldn't stop him after two so why bother stopping giving the ball to him you know that i don't know what else to say about the about that i mean the guy came in i don't expect him to have games like that a ton this season mm-hmm. but the fact of the matter is is that we know he can and that they have to game plan for it and they have to address it they as in the opposing teams and I mean, good on the Steelers. They didn't have a first-round pick this year. That was the guy they drafted first in the second round, and he's panned out for them.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the Steelers continue to look really good on defense. I think they had some, I guess, more strugglesome moments yesterday, but they, they held the Eagles team to, to only 29 points. I mean, the, the offense for the Steelers, which we've been kind of worried about, seems, seems to struggle, but they put up 38. I mean, it's not a, good, it's a great team in the eagles but that is some confidence i mean i believe it's it's the steelers browns this week and i think that's going to be a a very interesting matchup to kind of see where where these teams lie right now i mean this is a very competitive division with the ravens steelers and browns both playing really good football right now and i think it's going to be interesting to see how this how this division comes comes to head at the at the end of of the year, but is there a team that you're you're leaning towards? Are the Steelers, Ravens, or Browns? Are you? I guess are you still thinking the Ravens control this division?
1: Um, I'm not as confident as I was, but I still think the Ravens are going to win the division. I think that they they will beat the Browns again because they clobbered the Browns, yeah, in week one. And I think that that's a pretty convincing thing to say they're better than the Browns. And I think that the Steelers have proven that they're not quite consistent enough even though they're undefeated their performances have been a bit shaky they literally came off of an off week and were going up against the Philly team that really was outmatched and they kept it a game the entire time and it wasn't the prettiest thing on the defensive side of the ball Chase Claypool definitely helped bail out that Steelers defense I'd say that the Ravens are too consistent the Ravens are going to win games week in and week out as long as it's not against Patrick Mahomes and are going to perform well, I think it's still theirs to lose. I, I agree with you.
0: And I think it, it'll be interesting to see. I think I'm more interested to see between the Steelers and Browns. And we've got this matchup coming up this upcoming week, because I'm like, who, who's ahead in this scenario? I think both teams, like you're saying, are kind of inconsistent. They, they look really good. then don't look so great. So I think it's going to be one of the, one of the bigger matchups for their division. Yeah. But then looking at the other division from this game the Eagles, Cowboys, I mean Giants uh football team. I and mean, this thing is still up it's up for grabs open. and I think obviously it seems like it's even more up for grabs after Dak Prescott went down, but mm-hmm. I I don't even have a prediction anymore to be on. I don't know who to put money on.
1: Yeah, I mean I feel like it's still between the Cowboys and the Eagles. And the Eagles on offense did better, which I think shows some promise for them in the future. I'm not going to sell myself on Philly yet, but especially because they have the Ravens this next week, which is not good. But then after that, you've got the Giants, Cowboys, Giants. And then you've got another stretch of the Browns, Seahawks, Packers, Saints. So it's a tough stretch for the Eagles. And then the Cowboys, it it just – falls solely on if Andy Dalton can perform because geez I don't know uh, that defense couldn't win with Dak Prescott I I think the Eagles have the better chance I think the Eagles are are going to continue to improve because they can't play as bad as they did those first few weeks and I don't think Andy Dalton has it in him to to win enough football games when that defense is playing the way it is Geez, yeah, I think the Eagles are the best bet out of that group. I don't think the Red's the football team (laughs) – I had to stop myself there. (laughs) I think the football team doesn't have a quarterback that's good enough. And New York, I think, is out of the conversation at this point. They couldn't beat Dallas yesterday. I think that just about writes them off. I think it's the Eagles' division this year. It's going to be tough, but I think the Eagles can do it. It's not going to be a good record, though.
0: No, and and I started wondering, I know we joked how how little of games do you need to win. Do you need to win only six or seven? But how how many I, I really wonder how many ties you could you could have. <laughs> could you have like three or four ties somehow and still win a division? Because if, if, if that's possible, this is the year for it to happen yeah. in this division. Because I, I don't know who like I, I mean, I guess the Eagles, but I mean I, I don't know. I don't know what team wants it, honestly. And and staying in the vision, I mean, we we talked about on First and Moose Live, Washington football team moving on from Haskins in a way, mm-hmm. and I mean, it it didn't look good at all versus the Rams. I mean, this was a it was a great day for Aaron Donald to cause chaos.
1: Yeah, I mean, they ate that offensive line alive, and it shows that it's not easy being Dwayne Haskins. It's not easy being Kyle Allen. And it's not easy watching Alex Smith get crushed several times. Mm -hmm. Jeez, he came into the game, and all four of his sacks weren't just normal sacks. It wasn't just a guy wrapping him up and bringing him to the ground. It was four guys folding him in half and falling on top of him. I I had to hold my breath every time it happened. I screamed one time because I was like, they're going to kill him again. Like, it's crazy. It... It's not just a quarterback problem in Washington, and that became evident i mean obviously the Rams are a good football team, good defensively, but none of them looked good out there yesterday
0: no it's 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 the pieces, and I think yesterday it it shows it i mean, I think that was kind of like, hey, you know there's the the division is still up for grabs even after their loss but I think they're trying to maybe possibly find out if it's a quarterback issue, but like you're saying, it's, it's not a quarterback issue. I mean, they had 108 total yards yesterday. That is not (laughs) anywhere close to recipe of of success. I mean, that is, that is not good whatsoever, but another team that struggled expected to struggle. We, we kind of talked about, maybe this would be a test for Burrow, but, only came away with three points against that Ravens. Uh, Nineteen of 30, 183 yards, and then an interception. And I mean, it was definitely—I don't know if it was a wake-up call because Burrow's having to play in a in a lot of—he's gonna—he's gonna be beat up a lot. But it was mm-hmm. definitely showed how far the Bengals have to come to compete in this division.
1: Oh, certainly, they—they're leagues away from. From being a competitive football team, and I think Joe Burrow was hiding that the past few weeks, and we saw today that one of the best rosters in the NFL and the Ravens, and one of the worst rosters in the Bengals, there is a clear difference between what you get, no matter how hard your quarterback tries, what you're going to get. Because Lamar Jackson didn't have a great game yesterday; he felt a lot of pressure from that Bengals D line, and they still won twenty-seven to three, and that's the difference there because. Joe Burrow threw for three more yards than Lamar Jackson and threw seven last passes. Like, Lamar Jackson didn't have a fantastic day either. And you just can see that, you know, it's a team game. And that's what happens when, in a team game is that not everyone has to always play their best in order for you to win a football game. And so I think Joe Burrow just has to learn that lesson. And I think that it's a good lesson for him to learn. And we'll see if he bounces back from it in the coming weeks.
0: Yeah, it would be definitely interesting to see how he bounces back. I think he will. I think he'll have good games and somehow. I mean, he's been keeping them in the games, like we, like we said, but then this is just a completely outmatched roster against the Ravens. The Ravens are one of the best rosters in the NFL and going against the Bengals, which is a pretty depleted roster that is, that is rebuilding currently. But the, the final quick note I had was the Cardinals – Jets game. I think this was a a good one to win for the Cardinals because, mm-hmm. I mean, they've got I would say a medium schedule coming up, but they're they're gonna have to win these type of Jets. They got the Cowboys next, but they have to win these games. They should win after dropping the Lions and Panthers because, I mean, there's a chance that three teams come out of the NFC West, but I think it's definitely Arizona. In a wild card position. I don't think they're at this point where they can win this division.
1: Oh, no, not with the Seahawks playing the way they are and escaping games the way they are. And it's going to be tough for them too because you're now three and two and you've got other kind of competition in the NFC that are going to be fighting you. And at this point, I think you, you don't know if they can win every single one of those competitive games. Um, I think Dallas is going to be a good test. And then how do they fare against Seattle will be another great question. The Cardinals looked like the Cardinals did the first two weeks. Kyler Murray threw all over creation. DeAndre Hopkins had a ton of yards. Can they put that product on the field when things don't go their way the entire game? Because when you're going up against the Jets, things are going to go your way the entire game. And I think we're seeing now their three wins don't look that quality anymore because the football team isn't good and the San Francisco 49ers aren't very good. So can they put it up when the other team is fighting back?
0: Yeah, it will definitely be interesting to see because I think right now it's like their end-of-the-year record to me could end up between like seven wins and maybe ten wins. I could see that influx in that area, and that will definitely define if they're, if they're able to, to make the playoffs, and I think they should have playoff aspirations as of now. But if they're closer to that seven wins, I think it's going to be very close to, to making a play, especially in a wild-card position. So, it'll be interesting to see how these, as the time goes along, what teams were able to mark off. I mean, we're marking off the the 49ers, and I had them in the playoffs, and it's mm-hmm. it's, it's uh, getting close to more teams slowly being ousted from any, any belief in them whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But that's going to do it for today's podcast for First and Moose. This was our week five reaction and – like you said Mark we're we're starting to finally feel like we we know and and have learned some stuff from from teams.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, the next few weeks are going to be very exciting to watch. They're going to be very interesting to to see if what we believe remains true because these next few weeks could end up being very predictable, but that might be a good thing, you know.
0: Yeah. In an unpredictable year, we might have some predictability coming up, but it's going to do it for First and Moose on U92, The Moose Weather, listening on the air on Tuesday from 10 to 11 a.m. or on any podcast platform. Thank you for listening. Catch us next week.